Folks, welcome to episode 22 of I Learned Nothing, a philosophy podcast for idiots. My name is Pat Bean. I'm joined by the bad boy. So bad. Of philosophy. Princeton alum. The guy's a renegade. The man's a criminal. He's literally a drug dealer. Ben Cholock. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm good. I'm running from the Lao. Yeah, dude. Dude, the law's after you. It's after me. I've been providing them tips for the past couple years. About your current location. You're a snitch. Oh, I'm a snitch, but I give them the wrong information. You're a snitchy bitch. I'm a snitchy bitch, but I give them false info. Oh, okay. So they, I always tell them that you're at RBM Food Mart. Like okay. Now. But really, I'm across the street. Yeah, and you show up, and, and they're like, what? Oh, they always fall for it. God, these are such incompetent law enforcement agents. Yeah, I trick the shit out of them. Yeah. It's a great time. How the H are you, you son of a B? Uh, I'm, I'm doing great, uh, my, my fellow pop daddy. Now, what, what are we doing here? I've been, I've been uh, uh, recruited uh, by, your, uh, agent, by your agents of darkness. Yeah, by my dumbass. Yeah, to, to help you out with what? Exactly. What Philosophy, bitch. I'm trying to learn. Philosophy. Yeah, man. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. You know, in- increase my uh, knowledge about philosophy. So I thought, who better to talk to than Princeton professor of yeah philosophy, Pro- provost and head of the philosophy department at Princeton University, Ben Charlock. Uh, Benjamin C. Charlock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's me. It's me. It's me. Uh, here to talk about. What are we here to talk about this time? As if it matters. Well, <laughs> well that's philosophy, you know? Yeah. I mean, does does it? Well, who cares? What's the point, man? Who, you know, who gives a shit? This whole life is meaningless anyway. Yeah, man. We're here today to learn about existential... I can't even say it. <laughs> I'm trying so hard. Can it's, you say it? Can try extens- to say it. Extensionalism. Exten- this is so embarrassing. Uh, you say it. Existentialism? God damn it. That's what I said. No, you not. <laughs> well, I tried to, but my try thick, one more time. My thick tongue got in the way. Yeah, your thick mick tongue. Existentialism. Mm. Damn, I'm trying, you I'm really can't say trying. that shit. It's, do you know how hard it is to like? It's weird. Existentialism. Ex- existentialism. That's what I said. It's hard. It's so <laughs> annoying. This is the only language I know how to speak, and I can't even like. I hate not knowing how to say words. Uh huh. You know, or when I see a word and I don't know it's the. A, de- it's a tough one, dude. When I see a word and I don't know the definition of it. Uh huh. I get so mad. Like what? Well, I I can't think of any offhand, but like I'll see it. Like like someone will use a word in like an article or something. Uh I'm like, why? Why the fuck would you do that? Oh yeah, you take it as a personal affront. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's hard not to take personal. Well, here's the thing. Here's something that we can take personally. What? It's uh, our choices, our freedom. Whoa. And how we imbue meaning into our lives. Dang. That's what existentialism is all about. Existentialism. Existentialism. This sucks. It's it's a long (laughs) word, too. Like, when we were texting about it, I was was typing that word, 
Yeah. And as I was typing it on my iPad, uh-huh. I was like, this is going to take so long. As I was typing it, I literally was like, this takes forever. Um, <laughs> I really hope the auto, like, suggest pops up. But it did eventually. Yeah. But after, like, seven fucking letters. So, what's the point? Okay. <laughs> I have finished you, shit myself like a man. I've, good. Good. So, you've t- you took responsibility for your, for, your, for your actions. Existentialism. Yeah. Almost. Existentialism. All right, well, how are you saying it? Say it one more time. Say it slowly. Existentialism. Okay, that's pretty good. It's like that's the word like, existence. Existence. Yeah, it comes from existence. We'll get into that. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> I can't right. wait. All right, bitch. What do you know about existentialism so far? Um, do you know anything about it? N- I mean, I know. I mean, I, 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 I've heard people use it. I've heard people be like, "Oh, it's very existential, like mm-hmm. this film or whatever." It's just about pondering meaning, right? Your own life and shit. Yeah. Okay. That's a good. That's a good uh, uh, point to start from. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a real good point. And something's existential. It has to do with fucking existence, man. Yeah. With, like, you know, your life and what it means, man. Why is the sky blue? It's not like, why is the sky blue? It's like, why is the sky always gray? Whoa! I wonder why. Um, well, mostly man, because I hope you have the answers. No. I mean, usually the sky is gray because you're 14 and you just discovered Sartre. Um, but uh, this is where most people get into existentialism is usually around 14 to 16 years old. Um, cool. Well, I'm 33, so... So, let's get into it now, man. Where were you 20 years ago? Uh, <laughs> I was your friend back then. Back then? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you're not now. <laughs> right. Well, you know, there was there was the uh, the the detente that we had. Right. Right, when we didn't speak to each other. Yes. Well, you know, what, what, what can you do about that? Yeah. Uh, so, what's the deal? What's the deal? Well, I'll tell you what the deal is. Um, so, man, oof, where to start? So, there's a lot of people involved with this. Okay. We've mentioned them before. Some of them we've already talked about. Oh, yeah, uh, really? Well, yeah, one big dude is Nietzsche. Remember Nietzsche? Yeah, that fucking perverted virgin. Yeah, I know all about him. Yeah. So, not not a... He wasn't a virgin, remember? He's a once, he's a once smasher. Yeah. Uh, immediately got syphilis. A one-hit wonder. A one-hit wonder. Um, yeah, he smashed once, got syphilis, died of it painfully uh, several decades later. God. Well, protecting a horse from being flogged. So painful. <laughs> like, what a life. Yeah. No wonder that guy was in such a dour mood. Well, so all of these motherfuckers are in dour moods. Yeah. So it's a dour philosophy. It's all right. Um, so basically, existentialism. Yes. Uh, so Man, you're so lucky you can say that word. I guess I am. I mean, it's. I've had a long time to practice it. Well, existentialism. Existentialism. I mean, there you go. You got it. Yeah. One existentialism. Okay. Again. Existentialism. Hell yeah. Okay. I think. I think I just never said the word out loud. I was yeah. too intimidated. Okay. Good. I saw those letters and I was like, what? In our next uh, episode, we'll talk about anti-disestablishmentarianism. Dude, give me a solid <laughs> one-syllable word. You know, I'm old-fashioned like that. I'll give you a one-syllable word, puto. That's angst. Too, oh. Well, that was puto. No, well, that's, that's clearly two, two syllables. <laughs> angst. Angst. Yeah. You heard of angst? Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, so that became popularized with the existential movement. Uh-oh. It was started by this one guy named Soren Kierkegaard. Oh, this motherfucker. You've heard of Soren Kierkegaard? Of course I've heard of this guy. Really? Yeah. I'm going to be dead serious. And I, I, know, very I know that I make a lot of odd claims on this show. Uh-huh. I really, until this second, thought he was a filmmaker. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> At least you've heard the name. <laughs> yeah, but I thought he was. I thought he made films, Ben. Like he was one of those like dogmane. Whatever. Yeah, I thought he was. Yeah, like a Lars von Trier type. Yeah, dude, that's really what I thought. Well, I guess you could lump him in with that. If he if he was born in the 20th century, he'd definitely be a fucking. Oh, he wasn't in the 20th century. No, he was born in 1813 in Copenhagen. Oh, Pat, you're not even close. Get it together, Patrick. Well, okay. You thought he was a filmmaker? Yeah, I thought he made films. What movies do you think he made? 
I don't know, just weird Swedish films about like sheep and like uh, killing people. I, I mean, know. he absolutely would have if film was a medium that existed at the time. Well, but instead he just wrote fucking books. Our loss, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. So Soren Kierkegaard, do you want to know what his last name means? <laughs> sure. It means it means so it means churchyard, which is uh uh also just a synonym for graveyard. Oh wow. Yeah. So his last name was Graveyard. Soren Graveyard. <laughs> Sammy Graveyard. Sammy Graveyard. Old yeah. Sammy Graves. Sammy Graves. What a piece of shit. Uh, basically, he was a real fucking forlorn, mopey wow. ass piece of shit. It's no good. Um, he uh, was uh, a religious slash philosopher, religious author slash philosopher, um, kind of reacting to the general trends of philosophy. He was from where? Copenhagen. In Denmark. Okay. He's from Denmark. So he's Danish. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, and he, uh, he was kind of rebelling against the, um, some people can kind of consider him and Nietzsche to be the first existentialist or proto existentialists. You know, what's so weird about Denmark real quick. Uh, sure. Oh, it's just like, there is no country on this planet. I know about less than like Denmark and all those fucking countries. Yeah. It's just so weird. If I met a guy, he like came over here from Denmark and he was like, yeah, I'm from Denmark. I'd be like, God, I, don't, I wouldn't say this, but in my head, I'd be like, I don't know shit about your country. Well, um, Isn't that, it's weird that there's countries like that. I that, guess so. Yeah, I don't know much about Denmark. I know that Hamlet's from there. That's where Hamlet. Takes well, that's place. all I know about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's fucking Hamlet. That piece of shit. That piece of garbage. Yeah, and he's you, mopey too. You want to talk about angsty motherfuckers? That guy. Yeah. Ugh, we get. It. Hey, Hamlet. We get it. So that's a good point. Actually, I never thought about that. But there must be something in the water in Denmark. Yeah. Hey, Hamlet. Yeah. Pipe down. <laughs> Hey, yeah. You're royalty, all right? Right. Life's pretty good. Yeah, oh, you have it rough. Oh, my mom married my uncle. Yeah. So what? That happened all the time back in the day. Big deal. Oh, I can't believe my uncle's effing my mom. Well, believe it, stupid. Yeah, he's your mom's doing hot. It. Yeah, he's doing it a lot, too. Yeah. Loves it. Yeah. Guess what? She loves it, too. Yeah. They're adults, and they're consenting adults, and they can do whatever <laughs> they want. Um, so anyway, Soren. Soren, this piece of shit. The grave, the grave, the baby. graveyard. Yeah, the Undertaker. Yeah, the grave daddy. <laughs> the grave daddy. The Undertaker. He was the original. <laughs> he was the original Undertaker. <laughs> He's the first one. <laughs> that guy. Uh, yeah, There's, it would be so weird if he was like just ruled at fucking wrestling. Um, <laughs> no, he was unbelievably strong. Yeah, he's just a very thin dude, very thin and mopey. Um, he he had so a lot of people say that like a lot of his like later philosophy, the one that kind of. Um, informed and influenced existentialism came from uh his writings after he broke off an engagement with this woman he loved Ugh. and uh and yeah and so he just became like this mopey dude who like fucking like regretted this decision for the rest of his life oh god he died at 42 so he's pretty pretty young yeah when he died um but he came up with this idea of angst and uh, uh angst is like this uh position that that you have as an individual subjective human being yes uh while facing the uncertainty of the rest of the world hmm. and it's uh and an that's where angst comes from angst is like this this feeling of dread or anxiety at uh nothing in particular just in the uh the absolute uncertainty of what comes next yeah okay and tell me about it yeah i'm i'm, I'm i mean i don't even know what, what i'm gonna eat for dinner tonight right and so you're terrified about what that, do right? i do yeah you don't even know what to do do i eat the enchiladas that are left over uh -huh. yeah i probably will Okay, well, yeah, that's problem so, solved. Actually, that's mitigating the. Yeah, okay, so you I don't have angst anymore because you no. have a solution. Now I feel great. But what the, about like, what are you going to have for dinner tomorrow? Man, I don't even know. Yeah, chicken tenders. 
<laughs> you can't and you can't even the the, the world of possibilities yeah. here's the thing what's cool about existentialism is that on the one hand you would think right that you're giving all these options let's say tomorrow you can have anything you want and okay. in the entire world okay sure. that sounds like do- that sounds dope right sounds great yeah you can have anything you want but you can only pick one thing yeah right so so now the question is what what one thing do you pick out of this these infinite options that's rough. I don't know. What do you pick? I mean, probably when, DiGiorno's. When you, okay, so when you pick DiGiorno's, you eat that. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's delicious. The best DiGiorno's pizza you've ever had. But you're missing out on trying anything else. Because you're not going to be hungry, right? No. Yeah. DiGiorno satisfies. So that means that there's infinite number of things that you could have eaten Man. other than DiGiorno's. Hmm. And now where does your mind go? Where is my mind, as a wise man once said. Yes, as a wise band once said. Yeah. Um... So the, the point there is that that's what angst is. Angst is like, you know, let's say you're given a choice. You can choose anything, but you can only choose one thing. Wow. So what do you do? And then the fact that you are reeling from that possibility of infinite choices, but only one actual choice, that's angst. Oh, dude, I'll just go to a buffet. Okay, fine. You can go to a buffet. <laughs> yeah, I'll just, go to a, I'll just go to a buffet, a cosmic buffet where they have everything. Well, they have everything, but yeah. you still can't eat everything. You can only yeah. eat a certain men, uh, number of things before you are not hungry anymore. Yeah. And then what about the things that you could have eaten? I don't know. What and then while you're in line, right, you have to kind of plan your trip to the buffet, you know? Oh, I, I don't. I never plan anything when I go to a buffet. If I, if I go to a buffet, then I just, I don't even, I put it out of my mind. I just roll up. I grab a plate. Uh-huh. And I just get to it. I don't plan shit. And it's 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 actually kind of a disaster, but it's always fun. So I should go to buffets more often. No, I should. No, I shouldn't. <laughs> I should not go to more buffets. Not really, no. No. But here's what's interesting. The fact that you just like don't plan ahead at all. No. And just kind of dive in. Mm-hmm. You just go, This is one life I got to live. Let's fucking do this. I do that with everything, baby. Yeah. So that actually means that you're actually you're one of the so we'll get to this later, but uh, uh as existentialism gets more defined and people start uh, refining the concepts that that uh, um, that are associated with existentialism. You become one of these people who are these people. One of these people who are who who most existentialists aspire to be. You know what he means by that? Well, for, yeah, white. <clears throat> uh, but also, um, you're one of these people who uh, uh, lives your life authentically. Yeah. So you have authenticity to your choices. Whoa. Okay. I've never thought of myself as being authentic. Well, that's the thing I've we'll never thought into. about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that you don't really practice bad faith, which is something that Sartre gets what into. What the hell? We'll get into this later. So just, this just is a crazy. Taste. This is a tiny taste. Of what's a tiny taste. Now yeah. back, back to Grave Man. Yeah. Now back to Grave Man. <laughs> grave Man. My name um, is Grave Man. What is that yeah. with the superhero Grave I'm very man. grave. He's just <laughs> really serious. <laughs> yeah. He's very serious. He has a cape that never, he can't fly. <laughs> He just walks everywhere, takes the bus. <laughs> this guy sucks. Grave man. He's yeah. the worst. Um, so the other thing to remember is uh, about Kierkegaard. So Kierkegaard was very, very religious. He's a very, very uh, pious um, Christian, but not in like a traditional sense that people would think. Like he's not like the state religion in Denmark at the time was Lutheranism. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't like you. You couldn't really call him Lutheran because he he didn't really give a shit about like the church or like people gathering together to worship. Uh, he didn't give a shit about like you know uh, deacons and priests and 
ministers and stuff telling like interpreting the word of god to you he rejected all this wholeheartedly because he said that there was only one way to live religiously and it's uh a relationship between the individual and god himself okay so uh this was this kind of is is very important for existentialism later not so much the god part because a lot of existentialists later were were well not all of them but like it's kind of 50 50 some most of them were atheists and most of them were theists Okay. Yeah. Um, but the point is meaning they just didn't have a, an organized, uh, yeah, they believed in God in some sense, but they didn't really adhere to an organized religion. So with Kierkegaard, his, his relationship to God was one that he thought could only be characterized by a subjective, uh, a subjective character, a subjective coloring to it. Um, where like, you know, with the scholastics remember when we went through the scholastics oh do i yeah and all those medieval those guys those medieval cucks like had all this all this time to go through these like objective logical proofs of why god existed and why you know jesus was uh you know both man and god and why the virgin mary gave birth to jesus without you know getting any any dong inside of her oh, um, oh ben and well she got god donged but not like human dong <laughs> that's the worst thing i've ever heard well Sure, but <laughs> look, I'm not a theologian here, dude. Right? I'm a well, philosopher. well, obviously, I'm a, I'm a I'm a professor of, philo- of philosophy at <laughs> no, you're Princeton not. University. Yeah, no, you're not. You're Ben. No, you're I was, shitty. I ben. was reinstated. <laughs> you're reinstated. How could you be reinstated with a thing you've never instated to? Because uh, I'm smooth talker, baby boy. Dang, you um, must be. You smooth talk those fucking Princeton creeps. Yeah, all those trustees. <laughs> Smooth talking the trustees um, with Ben Jolock. That's my that's my my uh, album title. Oh God! Smooth talking the trustees. Ah, <laughs> and the cover is just you, like very earnestly, but like very smoothly speaking. To, yeah, like, hair <laughs> slicked back like Gordon Gecko. <laughs> a bunch of old people and right. they just they're loving it. They're loving it. They're enthralled, eating it up. <laughs> um, so Kierkegaard, uh, he he kind of rejects this idea that we can ever know God through logical proofs. He rejects the idea well, that, how could you? that, well, good point. I mean, and I kind of agree with him on this. Yeah. If you're going to believe in God and God is this, this entity that exists so transcendently and so beyond our comprehension, why would you even try to understand him? And why would you? Level? There's no point. Yeah. So Kierkegaard says there is no point to that, that the only way that, that the only way that you can have a relationship with God is through one of just pure, like existential, uh, uh, faith. You just believe that God is out there and you believe that, that, that the way you live your life is according to this entity that no one can ever have access to. Only you have access to him, uh, you know, subjectively in whatever way you think that is, right? And that differs from person to person. Okay. Okay. Um, now, the, uh, the problem with that, though, is that since God is transcendent and God goes beyond everything, right, most, most religious traditions... Uh, they have like a moral code in place, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like there's there are things that are considered sinful and things that are considered right and wrong, and you're supposed to do the things that are right. You're not supposed to do the things that are wrong, right? Sure. Okay. So he says that's all well and good, and that's one way to um, sort of uh, 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 bring your own existence, your own subjective like human quality. Yeah. The way you live your life, if you bring it up to the ethical realm. So he divide he divides the, like you know uh, a person's like you know journey through life through three different realms. There's uh, an aesthetic realm, the Nina, 
the Nina, the Pinta, and Santa the Santa Maria. Maria. Yeah. Yeah. The Nina is the aesthetic realm. Okay. The aesthetic realm is basically like, like kind of hedonistic. It's like things that bring you pleasure, uh, art, uh, um, you know, uh, sensual things, sensual <laughs> pleasures. Gross. You know? Um, hey, stick to the graveyard. Yeah. Creep. Well, he says that that's kind of the first and lowest form of human life. <laughs> And then he says, there's a way to get a, to what? become a better human being, and that's to enter the ethical realm. That's when okay. you enter into this uh, stage where you're, you're giving up some of your pleasures, right? Uh, you're giving Gross. up your, your ability to just, like, you know, go and... Have pleasure. And have pleasure at any given time, because you're... It's almost like you're investing in something bigger or greater, and that's, like, society as a whole. And society as a whole has these ethical rules that you have to follow. So you're like, all right, I'll 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 live these ethical rules, but in, you know, in return for giving up my freedom for from my freedom to pursue these like very, uh, uh, you know, short-lived ephemeral pleasures, I get to be part of this community, and that gives me more meaning in my life, right? Um, and he says, okay, so that's all well and good, but then there's still this other level called the religious plane, Whoa. or the religious realm. And the religious realm. Yeah, and that's when you start living your life according to what you think is is how God would want you to live your life. That's the second one? That's the third one. Oh. So that goes beyond ethics. What does Pinta mean? Pinta? The Nina? The Pinta? Oh, I don't know. The Santa Pinta is just Maria. what he named one of his boats. It's probably some slag that he was fucking Nina up. Nina is like his girl, I'm assuming. Nina. Yeah, but it wasn't Nina. Then what was it? I don't know. Weird. Yeah. We're, we're, get, we're getting off track here. Yeah, immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so Kierkegaard's talking about you have to, like, your ultimate goal is you should be living the religious life. And the religious life is uh, having some sort of relationship with a transcendent God. But, you know, however you want to live your life, if it's according only to just, like, how this God chooses you to live, that could contradict things in the ethical realm. And one example that he takes is, um, like, Abraham and Isaac, Right. So, one of the ethical things that Abraham, like, adhered to was, like, you don't kill your own fucking son, right? Yeah. But then one morning, he wakes up, and he hears God's voice in his head, and God's... God said to Abraham, <laughs> kill me a son. What's that from? It's Bob Dylan. That's my Bob Dylan impression. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That's horrible. No! Okay. I'm, I swear to God, I think I do a pretty good Bob Dylan. I don't think All my do. other impressions are bad. Do it again. God said to Abraham... Kill me a son. Nah. Abe said, man, you must be putting me on. Nah. God said, no. Abe said, what? No, I don't think so. <laughs> you gotta work God on that. God said, you can do what you want, Abe, but we'll, next time you see me coming, you better run. That's the, my favorite lyric ever. Okay. By the way, it's such a funny thing to say. We'll leave it up. You know what? I'll put a poll up on the page, on the Facebook page. Yeah. What do you think of, uh, of Pat's Bob Dylan impression? I think it's pretty good. All right. Well, we'll let the we'll, we'll let the people me, decide. We'll let the fans decide. Dylan. Um, hey, how does it feel, Ben? That was a little better. To be owned by Pat's Bob Dylan impression. No, it sucks. I think it's pretty good. It's not good. Look, yeah. we're getting okay. Here, Maybe it's not good. Let's leave it. Let's leave it to the fans. All right, we'll put a poll up. <laughs> the fans. Yeah, the fans. <laughs> um, the the the. The learned nothing heads. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, I know. We, we There's nothing to call our listeners. Yeah, yeah. That sounds good. The learned nothing heads. Yeah. I don't know. The philosopher um, heads. The philosopher heads. Sure. Um, the philosopher fans. Yeah. Okay. Hey guys, it's 
me, Bob Dylan. Okay, so we got to stop because we have a lot to cover. All right. There's like a lot of dudes to cover here. I just want to do Bob Dylan impressions now. Okay, so so Kierkegaard says that um, with uh, with the religious life, there could it could lead to problems because your um, uh, your relationship with God could lead to contradictions with the ethical realm. And one way that he says that, uh, one example that he gives is Abraham and Isaac, where Abraham hears uh, God say, "Hey, you know, uh, kill your son." Um, and, uh, Abraham is faced with his choice. He has this choice now where he says, everything that I've been told ethically has been, you know, I have to follow this rule of not killing my own son or not killing anyone. Right. <laughs> That's his main rule. Yeah. His main rule is don't kill your son. Like I'm a pretty uncomplicated guy. You know, I, uh, I wake up at 7am, I go to sleep at 10pm and I don't murder my son. Yeah. Right, and that's what Abraham has been doing, and he's been killing it at it so far. Pretty well. Yeah, he's been doing great at that. Um, and all of a sudden, God, who he has uh, bound himself to in a covenant, right? Yeah. God says, hey, I need you to kill your son. And his, he has a choice now. He says, do I follow this voice in my head who I've committed myself to? <laughs> or... Or, you just make him sound like a crazy person. Yeah, or do I ignore it? Well, that's the problem. That's yeah. that's the the very issue that Kierkegaard's getting at, is that you sound like a fucking crazy person uh, if you tell anyone else this. If you tell someone like, hey, so I kind of commit my life to this uh, idea of this, you know, very jealous God who exists in, in a plane where I can't see him. I can't summon him at any point. So I can't prove that he exists. He only shows up. He's like the frog in the box in the uh, uh, Warner Brothers cartoons. Where, oh like, no! When you show someone the frog, it's like dead, right? Yeah. So that, but then when he's alone, that's when the frog starts singing and yeah. dancing, going "Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, kill your son." <laughs> and and <laughs> and he has no one to turn to because he can't look around to anybody else. Being like, "Did you fucking see that? Did you see that shit?" <laughs> and, and no one and everyone's like no what are you talking about and it's like your dead frog is like no my dead frog just told me to kill I'm my son Jehovah. Yeah. i'm jehovah um i miss that frog dude yeah so it's the wb um so yeah so that's the problem that's the thing that that uh that kierkegaard is trying to distill he's basically saying that there's nothing out there there's nothing in philosophy yeah. to help you with that choice no if you've decided that you're going to commit your entire life to this like transcendent God, right? Uh, you ha if, if you're going to say, I'm going to commit myself and do whatever this thing says to give myself meaning, then you have to do it, right? If you, if you contradict it, or if you say, hey, if I'm, if you go, oh, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I can't fucking kill my son. I have yeah. to go back and, and go back into the ethical plane and say, no, you know, I'm not going to do that. You've committed some sort of, not a sin exactly, but you've committed this sort of uh, um, betrayal of yourself because you've gone back on a wor on on a word that you've on an oath that you've taken yeah. in some sense or another. All right, so this is all very primitive existentialism, but the 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 kernel is there of this idea of taking responsibility for your actions, uh, having this this uh, this dread or this very existential like angst yes is what he talks about where you can't no no one can decide this for you you have to you have to take full responsibility for the choice of whether do you commit to this thing that you've committed yourself to and yes. kill and kill your son commit murder commit murder do you commit to committing murder yeah or do you or do you shrink back and say i'm not i'm not as 
big of a man as I thought I was. <laughs> And, and, you know, and, and shrink back into the crowd. And that's another thing that Kierkegaard talks about, is how uh, living an ethical life is all well and good, but it, 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 it keeps you just nothing better, nothing more or nothing better than just one, a member of the crowd. Hmm. And he says the crowd is untruth, it's not truthful. What's really truthful is, is uh, being true to your own self. Yeah. To your own, like, subjective. To thine own self be true, man. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, like that. What do you say to that? It's a saying I made up. You didn't make it up. I did. It, no, you it didn't. basically just means like be cool, bro. Be good to each other. That's not it at all. Well, I made up the same. Those, are, com- th- those so. are three different things completely. <laughs> no. What do you mean? To thine own self be true doesn't necessarily mean be a good dude. It means just fucking chill out, bro. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. It does not mean chill well, out. I just made the saying up, so I think I know what I'm talking. First of all, about. you didn't make it up. Says who? Says you? Yes, I'm a professor of philosophy at Princeton University. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you can look it up. It's true. <laughs> no, well, I can't look it up. <laughs> yeah. And it's not true. I've looked it up. Well, give me 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, that's Kierkegaard. We got to move on because there's a lot of other dudes here. Um, he seems pretty interesting. He's an interesting dude. Um, he's a mopey fucker, but he has some good points. Are you sure he never made any films? I'm positive he didn't. Okay. He died in oh. 1855. Just double checking. Well before the medium of film was even invented. Um, before the Civil War, he could have prevented it had only he been, he been alive. I didn't see how he could have prevented it. He yeah, wouldn't have. With his films? No. <laughs> so who else are we talking about? Uh, we're going to go through Nietzsche's thing real quick. Oh, and, hell I mean, yeah. Real quick, this because guy. we already talked about him. All right? I remember him. Remember God is Dead? Yeah. Okay. Haunts me. Yeah. So God is Dead, which means what? Do you remember what, what the implications of it are? It's not literally that God is Dead. It's just that we've kind of moved past the yeah. notion of needing a uh, celestial being. Right, to justify our values. Yes. Right? That's actually pretty good. Thank yeah, God. Yeah, pay attention. He's fucking learning, folks. Hallelujah. Um, hallelujah, holla back. Hallelujah, holla back. <laughs> I was just telling someone about the... I was telling my friend Jordan about the, uh, the, white, the white Rapper, rapper show. show. The yeah. White Rapper Show. It's insane. Okay, so... Um, uh, minus that digression. Here's what's going on with Nietzsche. So Nietzsche's whole thing, the way it relates to existentialism is, again... If we have no uh, no source to justify our values anymore, if God is dead, yes. and again, God taken metaphorically, just the you know any sort of transcendent source for what uh, justifies what we believe to be true or good or right or blah 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 whatever, um, if that's no longer a thing that exists outside of us, and that, and once we realize that now it's up to us to decide what our values should be, that again leads to angst. That I'll leads, say that leads to this fear of like what you know what are we going to do now uh, you know what how should we behave you know how do we know if we're doing the right thing at any given time okay yes so that's Nietzsche's contribution to existentialism hell yeah way to go bud all right yeah did great um and then Sorry also about the way you die that sounds awful but yeah right he should have he should you know what he sh- use a condom folks uh for god's sake yeah for god's sake for Nietzsche's sake and don't uh defend the honor of horses because you will die yeah yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll collapse into a mental delirium and then your uh your uh al- your uh alienated sister will uh edit you your nazi yeah will edit your last works into uh people thinking that you're a nazi you'll contribute to one of the biggest catastrophe human catastrophes of all time it's a whole thing we won't get into it but no. basically wear a condom that's Can why you imagine you wear though like what if you were like flogging a horse and some guy ran up to you and was like, stop it. And you were like, whatever. 
and then he died as a result well he didn't die there he just collapsed well, he cla- yeah yeah but like what would you do like i would be like what the fuck just happened this I guy would, came I would, I would, up started screaming at me and now he's about a horse and now he's in the fucking hospital are you asking me if this would happen right now yeah, or if like, i was what the would guy you do? Back then? i'd feel so weird i feel conflicted Back then, I would just get on the horse and fucking ride. Oh, yeah, back then, there was yeah. no value to human life. Right. Well, and also, because there's no 911 to call. Here, I kind of, like, there's people probably saw me. I'd probably have to call 911. Yeah. Yeah. But back then, oh, fuck that dude. I'm leaving him on the gutter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're leaving Nietzsche in the, in the gutter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because I don't know him. I don't know that it's Nietzsche. <laughs> I'm some fucking demented Italian horse beater. I don't give a fuck. I gotta make the rounds. Oh, man. Um, all right. That rules. So, um, okay, so that's that's Nietzsche. So the next guy we gotta talk about is... Um, who? Another guy who I kind of hate. Oh! So we talked to, about him briefly before. Um, remember Hannah Arendt? Yeah. Okay. Remember who she banged? Oh, yeah. Well, I remember the, I remember the, the twisted love tale, but I don't remember... The twisted rem- love affair that she had. I don't remember the, the gentleman's name. The, so, the first of all, he's not a gentleman. The knave's name... Uh, oh, he's a knave. He's a knave. Yeah, and he's a knave. Well, he's a piece of shit. I don't like this guy. Why? Um, he broke Hannah Arendt's heart. He broke Hannah Arendt's heart, and also he's a Nazi. Oh, yeah, um, good. Uh, Martin Heidegger. His name is Martin Heidegger. Oh, yes. Uh, so he was uh, born in 1889, I believe. Uh, yep, 1889. Died in 1976. Full life. Uh, yeah, I lived a full life. Of course. I mean, look. Like, why shouldn't he get a full life? He's regar- only a fucking Nazi. Regardless of what you want to say about his personal beliefs, at least he lived a full life, you know? Well, Banging yeah. philosophers. Being a Nazi. <laughs> it's just what happens sometimes. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. You, didn't, you, you were never a Nazi then? I haven't been I a Nazi in so long. Yeah. I remember back in the day. Yeah. I remember, yeah, back in the day, a few weeks ago. <laughs> um... No, so this guy Old wasn't Tiki Torch Cholak yeah, over here. This guy wasn't a full-on Nazi. He, I mean, he was a card-carrying member of the Nazi Party. So um, how is he not? Full, he's literally, he's, he's literally he's a card-carrying. Yeah. So he didn't believe. I love the in, idea of. Yeah. It's so funny now to think about just dudes walking around. And they're like, "Hey, what's up?" And you're just like, "Yeah, what's up?" I have a card that says I'm a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's written on a card. Right. I keep it in my wallet. Well, so let's let's do this. Uh, let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna get through his whole like why he's a Nazi and why he's kind of a piece of shit thing. Let's do it, and then we'll and just, then we yeah. can talk about just his philosophy and why his philosophy is actually very very interesting. Um, oh, which I hate I hate doing because I don't like him. But yeah. it's upsetting when when your when your heroes let you down. Well, he's not my hero. Well, I hate like, this guy. Well, I've always hated this sounds guy. Sounds like he's, he's he's also kind of an obscurantist piece of shit. Uh, what and is, see, what does that word mean? Uh, it means that he can't fucking say a thing clearly. He oh, like using the word ops. What did you? What word obscurantist? Did you yeah, I know. I, I know wonder. It's if, I bet they did it on purpose. He probably did. I no, mean, I, bet, I bet they named that that word on purpose. Oh, probably. Yeah. Um, it's like how the word loquacious means you speak a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Honey loquacious was the name <laughs> of this dude who. Uh, honey, like who's honey loquacious? Oh, he he won the uh, drag race at uh, at. Uh, Princeton went Oh on. yeah. So remember you came you came to see this guy. Many years ago, yeah. I went to me and our friend Jim S. We went to old shithead Jimmy. Yeah. We went to uh Princeton University where you uh graduated from. Yeah. And it you was guys my were, freshman year. You guys are having a drag competition. Yeah, we're having a drag competition. And I didn't know you were doing that. 
And so we we got there, and you were giving us directions, like like James was using his cell phone to talk to you. Right. And we didn't know where you were, and you were like, "All right, make a right on this street, and then you should see me under under the street light." Street light. Yeah. So we pull up. It's just you in a dress. Yeah. And we're like. Oh. Under a street lamp is like the most noir film thing yeah. ever. So we're like, yeah. oh, I guess this is what Ben does at college. Whatever. I, yeah, it was what I did. At, we, I we had a great time that night. We got really drunk. At one point, I got I was so drunk, you uh, leaned over and tried to look down your dress, like like your shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I've had too much to drink. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to see your tits. Not good. Yeah. Not proud of it. Um, I'm a little proud of it. Well, I hope, hope you liked what you saw. I loved um, it. But anyway, so and and the winner of the drag race was this guy whose, Honey whose drag name was Honey Loquacious. It's an amazing name. So, anyway, so, yeah. so what's up with this guy? This this he Nazi. had a he had a he had a uh, like a latex purple jumpsuit, and the butt cheeks were cut out of it. So there was like circles where you could just see his butt cheeks. Why not, man? It was really funny. So what's up with this Nazi man? So Nazi man, <laughs> this Nazi man named Martin Heidegger. Uh, so he um so he took his cue. Okay, so sorry. So first of all, how, why why is a Nazi? Basically, uh. He was a philosopher uh, who, um, you know, he, a lot of the a lot of his colleagues at the time were Jewish. His his, his mentor and his tutor uh, was this guy named Edmund Husserl, who founded this uh, this school of philosophy called Phenomenology, which is <laughs> phenomenal. Phenomenal, which was phenomenal, by yeah. the way. Um, but it's a it's a method that Hardiger used later. We'll get into that in a second. Okay. Um, but uh, Husserl was Jewish. Sure. Uh, Heidegger. Um, was not was not uh, uh, when the Nazis took power in 1933. Uh, they immediately started firing uh, anyone who was Jewish out of the civil services uh, posts or whatever. So that included at the time university professors. So they fired his boy Husserl. They fired all these other people. Um, basically, kicked all the Jews out of academia in, Ger- in Germany, um, and. They went to Heidegger and they were like, hey, you have a choice. Like, if you want to keep your position here. He was already kind of in a cushy, cushy position as a lecturer at the University of Marburg. Uh, and they're like, if you want to, you know, see your career flourish and if you want to keep going as a professor or whatever, uh, basically just maintain your career, uh, you have a choice. You can either... Well, you don't have a choice. Basically, you need to say that you're a Nazi, that you uh, espoused Nazi ideology, that you are that you agree with Nazi principles, or if you don't, if you don't like take some sort of loyalty oath to the Nazi party, then we'll kick you out as well. And there was a lot of, a lot of non-Jewish uh, academics were also kicked out because they did the know, right thing. They did the right thing and stood in solidarity with their Jewish colleagues. And we're like, well, we're not going to do this. This is bullshit. And so they were kicked out too. Um, this is fucking bullshit. Yeah, basically. Hey, Nazis, um, you fucking suck. Yeah. And so that would have said right, and and uh, Heidegger more eloquent in the uh, German, right? It sounds more eloquent in the German. Yeah, uh, Heidegger things usually do. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's usually like one word long, but like fifty six syllables. <laughs> um, Heidegger, on the other hand, was a complete and utter coward, and uh, <laughs> and decided that he was like, I, you know, I have it too good here. I'm, I might as well just say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a Nazi. I'm a Nazi. Uh, yeah, I'm a Nazi. That's what he said. <laughs> he looked at him and he went, I'm literally a Nazi. I'm literally a Nazi. Yeah, he wrote it in a letter. Um, we talked about this in the Hannah Arendt episode, but Hannah Arendt was like heartbroken about this because yeah. she was Jewish. And she asked him to say, like, are you really a Nazi or do you, you know, or, or, or are you just doing this for career motives or whatever? 
and he responded without ever saying explicitly that he was not a Nazi. And basically, the letter said, don't worry, I still like you. And that's it. Oh, like, never said, I'm not a Nazi. Um, so anyway, he's not literally a Nazi. He didn't really believe in the actual... He like, just went along with it. He just went along with them because it, would, it was easier for him. So he's not a Nazi. He's just a coward. Huh. So Martin Heidegger is a coward. Hey, Martin, fuck you. Yeah. Um, that being said, here's his philosophy. That, uh, that, that's amazing that you love. <laughs> what? That you love. And you love this philosophy so much, dude. I, I don't... <laughs> you fucking love it, dude. I don't. Um, <laughs> sounds like you do. So what happens? What does he say about this shit? So he starts talking about um, uh, how philosophy has neglected the uh, the idea of finding out what actual like being means. So his his whole obsession is with being. Sure. Um, the idea of being. What does it mean for something to exist? Uh, what does it mean for something to have existential properties? So this is where existentialism kind of starts seeing a more refined take. And he starts uh, coming up with these ideas of like, you know, when we think of different objects that we use, there's like a guitar, let's say. Uh, a guitar is, is physically, like, as an object, objectively, it's just this, it's wood, you know, strings. Uh, when you pluck it, it makes a certain vibration. The vibration is a sound, blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't tell you anything about how you use a guitar. Right? No. Like, how do you use a guitar? Sensuously. Sensuously. Yeah. Romantically. I use it with passion. With ben. passion. So all these terms are not captured by uh, an objective, uh, an objective analysis of what a guitar is, right? You can get as refined as you want to objectively with what a guitar is, what kind of wood it's made out of, uh, the frequency at which the strings vibrate, um, you know, the pattern that you strike the chords to make a certain melody, right? All these things. It doesn't tell you anything about what it's like to actually play a guitar. Uh huh. So that's what he's going after. He's going after how can we actually uh, find out like what it's like to play a guitar. And the common thing with what it's like to do something with an object, the commonality is always that there's a human being playing it or there's a human being who's interacting with this object. Yes. And what's important here is that the human being's uh, like interaction with that object or with other people or with their environment in general there has to be some sort of subjective component that we're just not analyzing and that's where phenomenology comes in hmm. and phenomenology is this is the quote-unquote science i'm using heavy finger quotes here uh of um of categorizing and analyzing subjective experiences uh like when you pick up a phone right it's not a phone really it's this thing that you're using to communicate to other people. Sure. Right? And when you're talking to someone on the phone, you're not thinking about the w wires or the you know, cell phone towers that are, that are sending out signals and stuff to, to get people's voices back to you. And, that, and the fact that the voice that you're hearing is just a, a, a simulacrum or a, a simulation of the person's actual voice. You don't think about that. When you're talking to someone on the phone, you think you're just, you're hearing their voice. Yeah, right? but you're not hearing the voice the way I'm so the way people are hearing our voices right now. Yes, right. If they're listening to the podcast, and on thank fucking, you, and thank you for listening. But they're not listening. They're not listening to you our voices. Better listen. <laughs> Relax. Stop threatening our fucking listeners. I apologize <laughs> for nothing. 
the, so they're not listening to our voices in the way that I'm hearing your voice right now because we're in uh-huh. the same room and I can hear your actual voice. But for all intents and purposes, they hear our voice just like I hear our vo- your voice. So even though there's all these differences, there's really just one way that we're experiencing each other's voices and it's in this one way and it transcends these technological things. So what, what Heidegger is saying basically is that this is what's important when we're trying to figure out our interaction with being with the rest of the world. Okay. Um, and one distinction that he makes is this idea called Dasein. What? Dasein. It's German. Oh. So Dasein is a term that he made up and it's basically the idea of um, a human, a human subjective experience uh, living its life in, in a way that it's doing it for itself. It's like, uh, Everything that it does, it's doing it for for it itself, right? Uh, it's experiencing something for itself. It's uh, it's you know anticipating things, remembering things, all these things that human beings do. It's this conscious exercise of sort of interpreting being through this filter of ourselves, of or, or myself, the subjective experience. Okay, mm-hmm. so. There's that. Does that make any sense, or do you have any questions? No, about that makes that? sense. Okay. Do you have any questions? No. Okay. So that's. I got a question. Ha- how are you? Good. I'm fine. How are you? I'm well. That's good to hear. Okay. All right. Glad we caught up. <laughs> so this is really important for existentialism because Dasein is the entity that basically does all the uh, deciding. It does all the uh anxious hand hand wringing (laughs) of what it's supposed to do in the future okay and it's the thing that is concerned that's the one thing that's that really defines design is is concern is the fact that it's it's concerned (laughs) like you're gonna get kicked out of the country for not being a nazi yeah like that pretty concerning (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's that like uh you know what it's supposed to do with its own future (laughs) what a crazy concept yeah how hey uh you got a pretty uh cushy position over here it'd be a shame if something happened to it like you saying you're not a nazi yeah and he was like no i'm a nazi i'm a nazi oh i'm definitely a nazi hey guys i'm a nazi and then he has to live with this whole idea of like not only is our is like okay this this idea that this i this Dasein, this thing that like makes myself me, um, has has to like make these decisions at different points, and it has to make these decisions, uh, you know, to be consistent with who I am or who I, who I am or who I have been in the past. But then there's this whole problem of well, what am I? Who am I? You're Ben. What have I been in the past? Well, I, I'm I, I call myself Ben, but what yes. is who is Ben? Oh God. What if you released an album and you called it I Call Myself Ben? I mean, that'd be fucking... It'd be so funny. <laughs> I call myself Ben? I would, I'd sound like an immigrant. <laughs> I call myself Ben! <laughs> That's so good. I would, I'd sound like such an immigrant. Right. Well, you are a little bit. Uh, I'm not at all, dude. Like by proxy. <laughs> Why? Just because my mom is? Your entire family? My, not my entire family. Wow. Only my mom. Okay. My wow. dad was born in Pittsburgh. Well, congrats. Must be nice. It kind of was. I don't know. Pittsburgh. That place was the pits. Imagine just like nah, waking Pittsburgh up and fine. being like, I'm in Pittsburgh. 
I don't know. I'm sure it's a, I'm sure it's a lovely place if you know the right places to look. But like, good well, Lord. you don't really think that all the time. Every morning I wake up and I go, I'm so glad I'm not in Pittsburgh. Do you really? Sure. <laughs> all right. That's that's well, you waste so much time doing that. Well, I'm a I'm a time waster. Listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> so speaking of wasting time, yes, we should move on. Anyway, okay. so the main idea with Heidegger is uh is he he's trying to refocus our uh um. The way we think about uh, being, time, his, his, his magnum opus, the book that he wrote, published in 1927, was literally called Being and Time. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's basically about like, you know, uh, taking our subjective experiences, how to analyze that, how to make them meaningful, uh, and how we have different experiences of our subjective experience in the way we interact with different things in the world. Yes. And that's like with other people, with objects, things like tools. Um, things like uh, concepts, things like physical objects, other animals. He goes through all of these different scenarios of how a subjective person interacts with other things. Uh, but the commonality between all of them is this Dasein. It's this thing that, that uh, organizes and tries to make sense of our subjective experience embedded in, in, a, in an objective world. Okay? Yes. Um, and there's all these complications that come into this because, like, with time, we don't know what happens in the future. So, there's this whole problem of, like, you know, how can we decide on doing any given thing if we don't know what possibilities we have? And then there's also mm-hmm. with uh, how do we define ourselves given that we've done all these different things in the past. Yeah. All right. So, that's another thing to keep in mind as we switch on over to Jean-Paul Sartre. Oh, this guy. Okay. So we've talked about him a couple times. Oh, JPS. JPS, yeah. Um, so he was born in 1905, uh, died in 1980. He, uh, like Socrates, was one of the ugliest motherfuckers ever seen. And there's pictures of him being ugly. Um, <laughs> basically, he's so he's he's got like a super lazy eye that just like is going like way left field. Um, and he's kind of like short and weird looking. JPS? JPS, yeah. Not Socrates? Not Socrates. Socrates was ugly in a different way. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, just you the, sound like you have some unfinished business with the Socrates fella. Well, he's just snub-nosed and, and uh, had gigantic nostrils and a huge forehead. Oh, okay. So that's, that's Socrates. Oof. Sartre was ugly in a different way. A real Pat Dean of the philosopher. <clears throat> uh, maybe. <laughs> Why, so this guy had a lazy eye. What yeah, else? and he also smashed. So really? this, this dude smashed, yes. Uh, Sartre, yeah, for sure. Really? Yeah, he had a he had an affair with. He loved it. Oh, he loved it. Yeah, he loved he loved getting getting dumb. He Gross. got dumb all the time. French dome. Oh, uh, the best. Algerian the best kind dome. Of dome. Yeah. Algerian dome. Yeah. Wow. Well, maybe Algerian. I don't know. So his, so his life, real quick. He had a, he had an interesting life. Dude was uh, in the French Resistance. Um, he was. Uh, in, he was in a POW camp for a while, and that's when he wrote one of his biggest works called Being and Nothingness. Um, and uh, guess what it was about? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it seems pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he what also think, wrote. What do, you, what do you think the novel War and Peace is about? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so he also wrote a bunch of other shit. He he wrote plays like No Exit. I don't know if you ever heard of No Exit. Um, and uh, there's a famous quote that comes from No Exit where it's it's uh, Hell is other people. Have you heard of the phrase? Oh yeah, hell no, is other that people? shit. Yeah, that was Sartre. Sartre came up with that. 
Hmm. So I'm saying Sartre, and I, I hate because I don't know how to pronounce his name. There's two ways to pronounce his Sartre. name. Well, there's so there's I could be all fucking like shitty and and you about and it? francophile about it and and pronounce it correctly, which would be Sartre. Oh no, don't right? Do that. Yeah, which I don't want to do. Um, you so, you want to desperately, but I kind of do, but I also hate it. Yeah. Um, but there's the other way, which is Sartre. But that sucks because that makes that means his name rhymes with fart. It makes him sound like a real dummy. Yeah, Sartre. So it's Sartre. He definitely sounds like the guy who would be like operating like the fucking like carnival, you know? Like 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 you go to like a merry-go-round, it's just like him. He's the guy who operates it. You're like, oh shit. Oh, it's Sartre. Sartre. Is there a Sartre I guess, boy? Yeah. And yeah. he would be, and he'd be, he'd be like, uh, uh, why am I doing this? Uh, there is no reason why I should not. <laughs> Be a county. So what's this guy's deal? Uh, well, if, if you couldn't guess from the accent, he's French as fuck. Yeah, seems like it. Yeah. Uh, he, um, so he uh, was Eskimo brothers with this other uh, existentialist named uh, Albert Camus. <laughs> who were they Eskimo brothers with? Uh, Simone de Beauvoir, who was, uh, who was another existentialist, but also feminist theorist. Okay. who I'm not going to talk about so much in this episode because I, wanna, I want her to have her own episode. Okay. Um, but, uh, because she's actually very important, but, uh, she, she gets, she did more than just existentialism. So I want to save her for something else. Sure. Um, but what Sartre, basically his, he came up with the main maxim that defines all of existentialism and it's basically existence precedes essence and existence precedes essence. What does that mean? Okay. So here's what it means. Basically. I'm already annoyed. (laughs) I know (laughs) you're going to love this. Um, when you think of like the history of philosophy up until this point, uh, everyone's kind of trying to figure out what the essence of something is, right? Yeah. So when you have like a, when you, whatever you're talking about, name a subject. Beer. Beer. Okay. What is the essence of beer? Alcohol. Alcohol. So then what is wine? Wine is red beer. Seriously? No, I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Fine. (laughs) So the point is, is that you know people are trying to isolate what what the essence of a thing is. Yeah, that's supposed to define it. It's being, supposed to be the one property that makes that thing the thing that it is, and not the other thing. Oh, well, if, if you're talking about me, uh, the essence. Yeah, what is your essence? Sodium. Because you're packed with sodium. Yeah. Oh, Pack, dude, packed with flavor. Dude, I'm packed with flavor. There is flavor in every bite of me. Okay. Is that is that important for you as as yourself? Are you, do you go around thinking I'm a sodium-packed guy? Honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just me. Okay. Well, that's fine. Um, basically, what, what Sartre means, Sartre means Ugh, by this. Stop, you, it sounds like you're clearing your throat, but you don't know how. Is, what do you say that word? Um, what, Sartre? Um, anyway, so Sartre. He, uh, so his, his thing, what he means by existence uh, precedes Sartre. essence is that um, human beings don't have essences. No. Uh, not like other things. Like a guitar has an essence, maybe, or beer has an essence. Uh, but human beings, because of our subjective nature and the fact that we're free to decide different things, uh, we don't have it. We therefore don't have an essence because our essence keeps getting redefined with every one of our actions. So he says, existence precedes essence. We exist before we have any sort of thing that pins us down to a definition. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does, right? I kind of like this part about it. It's basically saying, any you take any single human being, 
they don't have uh, like this one characteristic that defines them. Because at any given point later on in, in time, in the future, they could choose to act in a way that contradicts their past actions. Mm-hmm. And then where are you when you're trying to, to define their essence? Hmm. Right? They could, like, even Trump, let's say Trump all of a sudden tomorrow wakes up and decides to be, like, the best president ever. No one believes that, right? No. Right? And, and so, we, there's a good reason why we believe that. It's because judged, judging on his past actions, there's no reason to think that he would do that. Right. But Sartre says that there is this possibility because he, like any other human being, is free to choose uh, his course of action at any given moment. He could, all of a sudden, for whatever reason, choose a different course of course of action yeah and become a, a different president have a different uh have a different like policy uh have a different set of policies or whatever or whatever the fuck it is or he could just resign tomorrow that's another thing he could do do you think right? he will do i think he will no i don't think he will but i can't say that he won't and that's the point the point yeah. is no one can say that he won't do that no one can say that he won't be an awesome president tomorrow right because as a human being, he has that freedom to choose something else. And then as soon as he does, he chooses something else, it, it, it tweaks what his essence is. So it's no longer he's like the worst president in the fucking world, which so, he is right now. So as a Trump supporter, do you think that he'll one day do that? No, I don't think he will. But you do support him? I don't support him. Huh. That's weird. Kind of thought you were a uh, Trump guy, but yeah, whatever. No, I'm not. Um, well, I guess so. Uh, yeah. So, that's what existence precedes essence means. But here's the other thing, too. Um, so, so, Sartre's idea of existentialism is basically like, you, uh, you've lived your life in the past uh, in a certain way, but it doesn't define who you are in the future. You always have this capability to choose something new. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So, there's this difference between facticity what he calls facticity and transcendence. And this is, it's this dichotomy in existentialism. Facticity is basically all the objective facts about you that could define you, but they handsome. don't. So handsome. Electrifying. Electrifying. Made of sodium. Brave. Uh, born in 1984. Yeah. Right. From McLean, Virginia. Let's go back to the handsome part. Real, really good looking. Really good looking. Big old dick. Sure. So all of these things. Tight ass. They... They tight ass. Oh, oh, God! What? It's not a big deal. I don't know why that's the last thing I want to think about you. My tight ass. Yeah, dude, you could bounce uh, a quarter off of off of these cheeks. Okay, Ben, you could set a drink on this. <laughs> if I was lying down, if I was standing Fine. up, then they would fall off immediately because all the men in my family have no ass. But what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> the men in my family, Ben, are like assless. It's fucking weird. So it's yeah, like ass so that's chaps. Except we have no ass and no chaps. But you have an ass. No, I have nothing. Oh, you have okay. So you have no ass either. No, isn't so that weird? That's the facticity. That, that, that you would look at me and you would think I'd have a big fat guy ass, and I just don't. Well, no, because you kind of have a Hank Hill thing going on. Yeah, where yeah, like yeah, all exactly. The fat yeah. goes out front. It doesn't yeah, come out back. It's upsetting. Yeah, it's like an anti Saverino. Dude, my my the the back half of me, like if you just look at my back, it's like, oh. it's like the Berlin Wall, just straight down. There's just nothing, <laughs> and it's impenetrable. But it uh, was torn down in 1990. But it was torn down. <laughs> 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 yeah, I have a very weird history with my body. My body, Ben, has a weird history. My yeah. rocking body. 
So your rockin' body has a weird history, but doesn't mean it has a weird future. Okay. So basically, so the facticity is the things that have to do with uh, things that you can't change anymore. It's all these details and facts about yourself, your uh, your past behavior, your past memories, all these things. They're all gone and and uh, um, like lost to the past. Okay. But there's this transcendent element to yourself, mm-hmm. which is your own subjectivity, which allows for your own freedom. Um, and that's something that will never be conditioned or defined by your past. And it is never defined by your future either. It's always this present moment that you can, you can decide for yourself to do whatever it is that you want. I mean, you have limits, right? Obviously, you can't just like up and fly away you can't fly not yet not yet but you can with with every single moment in time you you have this decision to like do something else <clears throat> something you've never done before yeah okay so for sart he satisfy says, a woman so yeah so he says well you can learn to you can start learning how to satisfy a woman if that's something that's important to you right very important. um the thing that you have to worry about is not so much whether you're doing the right thing or not but whether you're acting in bad faith Bad faith is something that's really important to Sartre's version of existentialism, which is if you rely on, you have this freedom to do anything, right? You can choose anything. When you exercise bad faith, that's when you take that opportunity for choice to do whatever you want. And you say, and you, and you say, oh, you know, the, the, um, the stress and anxiety of, of angst of this, uh, of the fact that I have too much to choose from and I only have uh, so much of my body to give to that choice. Ew. It's too much. Oh, oh. It's too much to take a leap into the Ew. future. So you fall back into uh, your habits, your uh, or what people expect of you. Your uh, you know your complacent uh, uh, categories, the things that you've done in the past, all this shit. That's that's easy for you. It's easy for you to go back and just do what you've always done in the past. Yeah. Right, and that's how you're using your choice. That's bad faith. He says you're leaving. You're living in bad faith. Uh oh. And you're being inauthentic. What you could do instead is be authentic, and that means to uh, use the opportunity for pure choice, this freedom that you have to do whatever you want, and use it to 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 define yourself into the future instead of defining yourself based on what's in the past. So that's existentialism. Whoa. And he says that, that you, you know, you have no excuse to not use that opportunity at any given moment. And a lot of people say, oh, well, so there's a lot of arguments to existentialism. We'll get into this later. I know we're kind of running out of time, but... Uh, In life. Yeah, but basically, you know, a lot of people say, or a lot of, like, a lot of teenagers fucking say, oh, I didn't ask to be born in this world. You I know? did. Right. I you specifically asked to be born. I'm the only person in history. Well, that's insane. Yeah. That is absolutely insane. And first of all, not true. It is true. I and saw pizza no, not, and I was like, that looks pretty tight. I should try and it. And you asked to be born. Okay. So fine. Whatever. So you aside, everyone else in this fucking planet uh, never asked to be born. Yes. Right. And so if they're living a shitty life and a lot of people say that this is kind of um, dismissive of, of, you know, their, their subjective realities or whatever. But basically here's the argument. A lot of people say, I never asked to be born. Uh, I never asked for this scenario in my life. Um, and therefore, I can't be expected to have any sort of responsibility for my actions. And Sartre's response 
is no it's true you didn't get you didn't ask to be born but that doesn't mean you have no responsibility over your actions because one thing that you can always do is fucking kill yourself you can take yourself out of this world at any moment and you haven't done it yet why haven't you done it yet if you're so miserable he said that yeah he says that he says that to a lot he, he addresses everybody when he says that anybody who's saying who's bringing up that point but he basically says it's a bullshit argument to say i wasn't born I, I i didn't ask to be born and therefore i you know this is unfair and he says no it's not fair you didn't ask to be born but that doesn't mean that you have no options you can take this opportunity you have to make your life better um or you can kill yourself if that's really what you think you should do if you really have no other option then fucking kill yourself whoa yeah opening himself up to a lot of lawsuits i guess yeah but he you know he he's not representing anybody but himself hmm. but anyway yes and and people don't you know you say that to a 14 year old who's like saying who's being all mopey and shitty and they'll say oh well, i'm not gonna kill myself he's like yeah okay then shut up oh shit yeah shut the fuck up dang dude anyway so that's that's sartre's idea of, of existentialism it's pretty cool i kind of like yeah it. sartre's kind of tight yeah dang look like a toad Really? Yeah, he looks ugly as hell. Well, you know, I look like a turtle, so I'm I'm with him. Last guy to talk about, I know we're running out of time, is Camus. What? Um, yeah, Albert Camus. Albert, well, hold on. His name is Albert Camus. C-A-M-U-S. So you don't pronounce the S. Camus. Camus. Yeah. Albert, Albert, Albert Camus. Camus. Yeah. He wrote... Um, Camus. So he has, he talks a lot about the absurd. He talks about how life is absurd. Yeah. It's meaningless. There's nothing. There's nothing for us. Right? There's no... And he kind of goes off of Nietzsche with this. He says, there's no... Uh, there's no idea out there that we're supposed to be striving for. Everything is absolutely absurd. Um, there is no... The, the main question of philosophy, what is the meaning of life? His answer is, there is no meaning of life. Uh-oh. There absolutely isn't any... Any all-encompassing, comprehensive, cookie-cutter meaning of life answer. So, what does that mean? That means you have to make your own meaning through your own decisions. Okay. And that's pretty much it. That's Camus in a nutshell. He was more of a novelist than a philosopher, so that's why I'm not going huh. to him as much. Yeah, you know what? I agree with him. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to look at things. That's kind of the way I look at things. Yeah. It's all, it's all up to you at any given moment. Use the life you have to do what you can with it. And uh, you're not supposed to live up to any standard because any standard is automatically illegitimate and Dude, arbitrary. I love this guy. That's the way I fucking look at everything. Yeah. You like the existentialist. Dude, I, I kind of like these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, this guy's got the right fucking idea, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, so what are you dude. feeling right now? Why don't you talk I about what you I feel psyched. Yeah? Because I always, you know, it's, it's weird that like, you know, you live, you live your life a certain way. And then you find out that some asshole in France 150 years ago was like, oh, yeah, that's the way you should do it. And you're like, holy shit, I'm right. Yeah. I mean, if you've been living your life in this way, and that's what I was saying before, how you're, you, live a, you live a pretty authentic life. Sometimes. I mean, you do, you do your shit the way you do your shit. Like, yeah. you, uh, you don't really you know, live up to other people's expectations. I mean, you, <laughs> I mean, I grossly underperform <laughs> as far as that goes. Well, there's also that, but also you don't really. You don't I've heard this guy's to, funny. Oh, wait. <laughs> well, you also don't give, get, seem to give a shit about that. No, and you don't seem disappointed in yourself if you don't live up to other people's expectations, which is exactly what they're talking about. No, fuck them. Yeah, 
Yeah. So yeah, you do your, you do you. Basically, you do you. So basically, what you're saying is that this philosophy is mostly just you know Pat Dean hanging out, being Pat Dean. Yeah, in a way. Ugh. I mean, that's one way to put it. I can't believe it's successful then. Well, it's not that successful. I mean, it was it was kind of widely discredited uh, in the seventies. Oh, damn it! Damn it! Well, it's coming just back. like me. I was widely discredited in the seventies too. <laughs> People were like, "Oh fuck this guy!" You were, yeah, yeah. That's right. I remember the uh, yeah. I remember seventy four to seventy eight. Yeah, that mutton chop. You know, yeah. uh, sideburns. They were like, "Fuck this guy!" And they were like, "Yeah, we his it's so out of touch." This guy's yeah philosophy. You but wanted I, you wanted to give a shout out. Oh, I wanted to give a shout out to someone. So okay, so my coworker. You can't say their name. I can't. So I can't name names because he well, named I'll, names. I'll, I'll explain why. Seinfeld. Uh, my coworker, her brother. Yes. Uh, is stationed overseas. Hell yeah. And she told me the other day that he listens and he is a huge fan of our podcast. And he listens. I can't like, imagine why. I don't know. I don't know why, but thank it you for listening. It must be really boring wherever he's stationed. His first name, we can say his first name is Joey, not Joey. his last name. Joey, thanks for listening, buddy. Thanks uh, for serving. Listens, Joey. He listens out there, and I don't know if it's either Iraq or Afghanistan, but one of them. We can't say either one anyway. So whatever. He's out there. He's you, in the mix. You rule, Joey. You rule. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you to the troops for for doing your shit out there. Yeah. Um. And uh, Joey, thanks for listening. Hell yeah, yeah man. Joey. You're you're doing it big, man. And one day you'll be on our podcast. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. You can be on the podcast when you get home. No, you um, can't. No, you can't. I, I bet you're really bad at podcasts. But thank you. <laughs> we but, can't but do thank that. you for doing the. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Are you taking it back immediately? <laughs> no, but there's no way he's good at it. Well, how do you know? Because there's some guy. You're insulting our one troop listener. That's uh, no. I'm just saying. You know, I'm not. I wouldn't be good at being a soldier. He wouldn't be. Good no, at you a, wouldn't be. Holy I'd shit! I'd be so bad at it. So I know that Joey would be good at uh, rocking the goddamn mic the way you and me well, do. Well, I'm, I'm sure you'd, you'd be great. Uh, either Joey, way, be you, safe out there, man. Be and, safe. Uh, and Joey, when you come home to America, you will replace Ben as a co-host of <laughs> I Learn Nothing. Um, what else? So what that's else? pretty much it. Do you have any questions about existentialism? Nah, man. I love it. Okay. I'm into, into it. it. I'm into it. Cool. I like these guys. Yeah. They're, they're, they're kind of mopey weirdos oh they like, smoke so much cigarettes yeah and like they, they, they and like they they hate life but they strive to understand it i mean they remind me of every comedian friend i have they kind of hate life but they also love life in a yeah, weird way it's odd yeah that's me um they drink you know? like very strong coffee and uh and smoke cigarettes and and like you know i don't know they have sex with each other they have sex with each other weird um so anyway, yeah. So you can you can uh, find. Oh yeah, I have another announcement. Oh no! My fucking my fucking thesis is on the website. You can read the fucking thesis now. You go to uh, you go to ilearnnothing.com. dot com. I was the only one who clapped. And then go, and then go to uh, the tab that says Ben's thesis. Lol. And uh, <laughs> you click on that. It'll pull up a page. It'll have a big crest of the the crest of Princeton University. You click on that, it'll uh, it'll send you to a link to read a PDF version of my fucking stupid thesis. Maybe I should put... 43 pages long, so man, be ready. Maybe I should like write a thesis and put it online. Yeah, you should. I'll edit it for you. But I don't even know what I'd write about. Whatever you want. Existentialism. Why not do existentialism? You yeah, like maybe. those guys. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. 
maybe Pat the Existentialist. Uh, we found your philosophy. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I liked all the Zen stuff too. So maybe I'll so combine that's, them. That kind of goes hand in hand. Existentialism is like the West West's version to, of uh, Zen. Cultural appropriation. I love well, that shit. No, I don't think they appropriate anything because they kind of came at it their own way. Hmm. They came at it very French Frenchly. Oh God. Yeah. So. And also Germanly. Oh God. Which is. Actually, yeah, so no, they didn't come at it Germanly, because that, that would have been more violent. But, <laughs> but, but that's serious consequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, listen, friends, you should go to that website, read Ben's thesis, and in fact, after you read his thesis, you can tweet him at Gristleporn on Twitter. G-R-I-S-T-L-E-P-O-R-N. Let him know, but also include me, too, so at Pat Dean is my Twitter. Mm. So read Ben's thesis, tell him if you like it. Or if you don't like it and what your what your problem is with it. Yeah. Or tweet us at... Keep in mind, be kind. I, I, I wrote that when I was 21 years old, all right? Oh, God. <laughs> and I haven't edited it since. I bet. So it sucks. Hold it on. It sucks for what, sure. What, when you... Did you reread it? I haven't reread the whole thing. Okay. I, I was can't wondering, do it. Yeah. It's a little rough. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I, the grade I got on it was a, it was a B minus. My thesis advisor said it was plausible. <laughs> oh, sh- that's Which the is, shittiest underhanded compliment yeah. I've ever heard in my life. Um, but whatever, I fucking graduated, so there's that. Yeah, so fuck you, bitch. Yeah, uh, so yeah, go to ilearnnothing.com, uh, tweet at, uh, at Pat Dean or at Gristleporn, that's me. Gristleporn. Uh, or uh, at ilearnnothing on Twitter. Um, what is Gristleporn supposed to mean? Nothing. I keep saying this. It doesn't mean anything. I swear to God, it doesn't mean a thing. Hmm. Also, go to where else? Where, what else are we on? Oh yeah. So here's the other thing. Uh, oh no. Yeah. Um, yeah so this has been ongoing for a while, but drama. Uh, um, so there's this uh, this fucking asshole uh, who owns. I learned nothing on Instagram. We're gonna find him. Uh, we are going to challenge him to a duel. Challenge him to a duel at the RBM food at mart. the RBM food mart Sunday at four o'clock. Sunday at four o'clock. We're but gonna fight him. We're going to push you back to 5.30 because I work till 5. Okay, yeah. So, 5.30. Um, we're going to hack his fucking limbs off and uh, burn him at a stake. We're just going to do all sorts of gnarly shit. Does he ever post? No, he doesn't. I don't think he does. I've, I've tried to look at his shit and I can't find anything that he posts. Weird. So, he's just this, this depraved uh, uh, goblin Lunatic. of a human being. So, what is our Instagram? So, our Instagram is I Learned Nothing Podcast. Go to I Learned Nothing Podcast. Uh, follow us there for updates and uh that's pretty much it also follow at rbm mart uh they host <laughs> they host all of our philosophy fights and they're very very nice men we want them to sponsor us <laughs> yeah, so bad tell them, tell them to sponsor us i go there every day and i'm waiting for the day that one of them is finally like hey who the fuck are these people that are that are tweeting us about you yeah and i go I have no I, idea I, I would deny i would i, I would i would say it's not me I'd be, I would feel so ashamed. I would just go, I don't know what you're talking about, sir, and I would leave. They're very nice people. They're the greatest. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. Anyway, uh, go go out and, and seize the moment. And also, go out and go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourselves. Bitch. Bitch. International.